Welcome back, everybody, to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I'm Lisa Linky. The person you're not hearing is Misty Stinnett, and this is part two of a weekly book review. Every Friday, it's a full frontal Friday. We bring you the ups and downs and ins and outs of a book, popular self-help book, and critically and comedically think about it and tell you what we like and don't like. Spoiler alert, I don't like it, and Misty is great at finding something to like about it. (laughs) You found plenty of books you like. (laughs) That's uh, Fridays, Tuesdays, we do our weekly beefs, which is everything but books regarding self-help, and that's kind of it. We have a Patreon. We love our patrons who get to hear our experiences trying on some of the homework from each of these books and what we call our deep dives, and that's available to all of our levels on Patreon. You can find out more about that on patreon.com slash go help yourself. We have merch. All the links are in show notes. You can check out all of the books that we've read. We've read over a hundred in the links uh, in show notes. It'll take you to our bookshop.org page, and you, you can see all that. It's quite amazing. Anyway, yeah, that's the deal. If you're tuning in for the first time, please go back, because this is part two of an episode. Misty was bringing us Design your life or designing your life? Designing women? Designing your life. Designing, designing women, designing your women. life. Yep. Yep. No, we we are reading the number one New York Times bestseller, Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Yes. And last week, we got through the first four chapters plus a breakdown mm-hmm. by yours truly. And now we're ready to hit chapters five through yeah. seven, is it? One million. And listen, if you <laughs> if you want to hear Lisa cry and me do like honestly a very aggressive and mean cliffhanger, go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> the cliffhanger is about me crying. <laughs> no, Misty does an will amazing they or job. Won't they at remain friends. Space. No, she does a great job at holding space for me. And there is a great cliffhanger. Thank you. Because she's an amazing. There was writer. a great clip because I literally did all the essential context mm-hmm. of how to do design thinking, how to create your worldview and your work view, your, your life compass. view and your work view, how to have a compass, how to, you know, identify things that energize you and put you in a state of flow. And then I was like, and here's how to design your life. Tune in next week. She really did. <laughs> so, she's same honestly, time, same, if, same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah. Listen. I'm doing the best I can. So we're going to dive right back in. So we've just completed three weeks of our good time journal. We've just completed the chapter, chapter four, getting unstuck. And we've created mind maps that help us brainstorm just different areas and roles around the types of things and activities that keep us engaged or energize us or put us in a flow state. So Now we are going to design our motherfucking lives. Oh, also, this this is an explicit explicit podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We always swear and then say it. We're so sorry. But we did have one amazing LLL write in, and she was like, look, I listen with my kids still because they're too young to hear those words, but also the value that they get out of the books is really good. So it balances. And I was like, and they, and she's you. like, honestly, they tune out after the intro song. Cause that's what they like to sing along to. And they tune back in <laughs> so they can go bye at the same time. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> so cute. I know she sent us an audio recording. It really just oh, it warmed our heartstrings. Okay. I'm putting that in my good time journal. Okay. So, 
Here's where things get really, really interesting in the book. Oh, boy. So the authors say that in planning our lives, we tend to believe that there is one best possible life mm-hmm. that we should plan and work towards. And when I say that I subscribe to this, I mean, this is the fabric of my being. And mm-hmm. it makes me always go like, oh no, but am I living the best life possible? Is this fully what I'm supposed to be doing? And all that does is cause me deep torture and agony in any situation I'm in. So it's been very cool to be me in the world in general. But here's the thing. I also (laughs) want to say, I'm very grateful for this worldview because it started this podcast, because it created your love for self-help books to be living life to like the fullest and most like highest. Oh my God. So I'm ready. I'm glad that it got us here, but I'm ready for you to let it go. I am like a fish who is like, I'm looking for water. And they're like, you're in water. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't see that it's all around me. Like, that's, everyone take a deep breath. (laughs) Okay, so the authors say that. (laughs) However, in reality, there are multiple different lives with plans that we can design and build and be really satisfied with. Yeah, So that's really freeing. Thank you. You get it. So this is where this is where they bring in the concept of odyssey plans. So an odyssey plan, Lisa's whole face changed. She leaned in. Well, because <laughs> she got she got close to her chaotica. What you said was odyssey. And what I heard was audacity. And I was like, oh, tell me about audacity plans. Lisa just grabbed her pearls. So (laughs) an odyssey plan is a version of the next five years. And the authors expect you to make at least three odyssey plans because then you'll be forced to come up with creative solutions. Mm -hmm. So they have some prompts if you can't come up with three from the results of activities, three and four. So for example, life one might be what you already do but like the best version of that life. Mm -hmm. Life two might be, what would you do if thing one is totally gone? Mm -hmm. Like there's just no more doctors in the world. You can't be a doctor. What are you doing as your backup plan? Mm -hmm. And then life three could be something like, what would you do if money or image were no object? So no one would judge you. Life one is a doctor. Life two, I would get sick, become a patient, create a need for doctors. And life three is I would put nurses out of business to create doctors. Am I understanding it correctly? I think you've nailed it. I couldn't have said it better myself. Who needs to read this book? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like for me, I have so many varied interests. So like life one might be okay. I continue down the writing path. Life two might be, ooh, I'm an interior designer. And then like life three might be like, cool, I own my own leather goods shop in Portland, which by the way, I really love Portland leather goods. Shout out. We get it. Uh, You're very talented and have a lot of interests. Humble brag. Yeah. Some people might call me a Renaissance woman, not to brag, but I'm really good at bragging. So (laughs) Odyssey Plans they view this as one of the most effective exercises. They expect an Odyssey plan to have the following elements. A timeline, which can be narrative or sketches with both professional and personal goals. So this should cover major life events over the next five years, like being married, taking a dream vacation. And you should be really concrete in describing what you want from this version of your life. 
They also want you to create a six-word headline describing the essence of this alternative. I love this exercise. We did this exercise in this organization called Leadership, and it's kind of helping set your, like, how you would make the world better. So for me, the one I did was last kill shelter closed permanently. I got it done in five. And so, <gasps> so like ending euthanasia of all, um, uh, of pets. That's and beautiful. so, how, like, how you That's see so the beautiful. future and how you would want it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that right after I talked about opening a leather workshop. I just mm-hmm. want to point that out. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And mine would be something, I think I could do mine in four words, mm. climbing mountains, farting less. <laughs> I think that's it. So next. <laughs> was I got not her. prepared. I got her. I was not prepared. <laughs> I mean, we say it's a comedy podcast and then some episodes are quite serious. And I'm just, listen, we got to balance it out. got to balance it out. We got to balance it out. Part one, we cried. Part two, we tooted. <laughs> so identify the questions that this plan is investigating. What do you want to test and explore in this version of your life? <laughs> do Listen you to know how questions. to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> how aren't many you, aren't patients will I kill before I quit? Yeah. <laughs> Got it. I love it. Perfect. So dark. So dark. And next, you want to take that dashboard out again with those gauges. So a dashboard where you can gauge resources. So you can objectively assess if you have the time, money, skill, or contacts to achieve this Odyssey plan. So if I was like, cool, I want to start a goat herd in a village in the Himalayas, I might be like, well, wait a second. What do I know about goats? Do I have the money to buy the goats? Do I have the skill to keep the goats okay? Do I have the contacts to set up the goat houses? You know what I hear? Climbing mountains, more farts. (laughs) And we haven't had this in a while. You gotta work on one before you work on the other. That was terrible. There you go. No, I I hated the second one. It had like a... It had a juiciness to the beginning. It sure did. So listen. So you look at it and you're like, okay, well, do I actually have the time, the money, the skill, or the contacts to do this? Right. Do I like this plan? Like, I know I just brainstormed this thing, but what is the likability of this? And what about confidence? Like, do I feel really confident or very uncertain? Do I even like coherence? Do I even like, I do. Okay. I do. They're very cute. But then coherence. Does the plan make sense internally? And is it coherent with your work view, life view? Smart. So I love that you can keep coming back and streamlining from the earlier exercises. They also say that other considerations, once you've created your Odyssey plans, are like, where will you live? What experiences will you have? What will be the the impact of choosing this plan? And what role or company do you see yourself in? And make sure to consider non-career and non-financial issues as well. Because I might go like, Ooh, the life I'd be happiest with is, I think, living in Thailand with a herd of goats. And I might go, well, wait a second. That puts me so far away from my family. You know, that's not something I'm willing. I look at my compass and my, you know, and my love gauge needs my family. don't allow emotional support goats anymore. Just dogs and cats, I think. Not 12 of them. I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. I tried it. That's for sure. So- 
now we have these odyssey plans and we've chosen some to explore and we're going like, okay, it is time to prototype these lives. We're literally going to try them out. Okay. So here the objective is to try out some aspects of one or more of the Odyssey plans. Go to a petting zoo and spend an afternoon with goats. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I did goat yoga, baby goat yoga, where the goats wore pajamas. (laughs) They poop so much. Yeah. They poop so much. But the poop is pellets and it's very easily brushed away. So I'm really torn. Yeah about this life design. So they have two approaches to prototyping. One is experiential. You literally try it, try an aspect of it. And then life design interviews, which is exactly Mm. what it sounds like, just talking to people who are already doing the thing you're doing. Mm. And it's not to try and get a job. It's not to like show off your own talents. You're literally going like, okay, well, wait a second. I think I would love to own a cafe, you know, with an open mic spot. Yeah. So I can either go get a part-time job waiting tables there to see what it's really like to be in a cafe all day long. Do I like customer service? How hard are the managers working? What are the hours really like? Or I can reach out to a few cafe. I can walk into my favorite cafe, ask to speak to the manager or the owner and say like, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee sometime. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's truly an informational interview. For 15 minutes. Yeah, it's truly an informational interview, yeah. And they say that if this freaks you out, just remember it makes other people feel so good. To to, talk about themselves. Yes, honestly, yes. And to feel revered and to feel like they can help somebody who's considering the same things and share lessons. And you really are just asking like 15 minutes of your time. Yeah. So they say, we prototype to ask good questions, create experiences, reveal our assumptions, fail fast, fail forward, Mm -hmm. sneak up on the future, and build empathy for ourselves and others. Once you accept that this is really the only way to get the data you need, prototyping becomes an integral part of your life design process. And he does use cautionary tales of a woman who wanted to start a cafe and she just like, she had the best time interior designing it and, you know, all that stuff. But then when it came to like the actual cafe management, she hated it. And this was then a very expensive experiment, you know, that could have probably been prevented in like two or three conversations with people or a part-time job. Yeah. So you review your Odyssey plans, you prototype conversations, you prototype experiences, and they walk you through how to do all of that in the book. And if you're stuck, you can get feedback from someone else to help guide you. Like you always want to be talking about what you're doing with your life design team. So chapter seven, yes, Mm -hmm. is how not to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) And this is basically like, okay, you have narrowed down something you want to do. So how do you then go and do it, especially if you don't have any contacts in there? And the big gist of this chapter is applying online and just submitting your resume is not the path to success. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a staggering statistic that like something like 80% of jobs are never listed online. Mm -hmm. Thank you, online. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are, are just like as a due diligence exercise. So the hiring manager can say, hey, we did list it online for a couple of weeks, but 
they probably already have somebody from their network anyway, or have Mm -hmm. asked people inside the company. Mm -hmm. And so they really talk at length about what to do, how to break in. But again, if you are having, and we're talking like dozens, dozens and dozens of these prototype conversations, you know, over years, you actually will build a lot of a good network. People yeah. will see, yeah, people will see you're passionate and all those, those should not be used as, as job interviews. It is okay to follow up with someone mm-hmm. a while later and say, hey, I saw there was an opening in your company. I'm still feeling really passionate about this. You know, would you consider well, also, that? Hopefully by then you've started to accrue some skill or had more experiences, et cetera, and you can follow up with, exactly. here's what I've done since we've met. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And a lot of the life design interviews, if you really are passionate, they can lead to job interviews right there. You know, you never know. So yeah, so that's how you really hear of the available jobs. And they also mention, and this is a pretty detailed chapter about job searching, but the right way to find a job is to focus on the needs of the hiring manager instead of your need to get a job, right? So chapter eight, designing your dream job. When designing your dream job, you should reframe your thinking as follows. Stop thinking that there is a destination of a dream job out there waiting for you. Mm-mm. Rather, you come across your, your dream job through a process of actively self-reflecting through journaling and other exercises and making your next career decision accordingly. Mm. And I, I think Cal Newport would also say that like, once you've acquired a lot of skill in your area, you then have the leverage to make your job more of what you want it to be as well, right? Yeah. But it's not like, oh, I'm just going to get hired into something that's perfect for me. It's like, no, you probably have to create it, right? Right, right. And they also recommend stop viewing yourself as someone looking for a job that just kind of creates desperation and and it's not a super empowered mindset, but instead you could reframe it that you are looking for offers that allow you to explore and get closer to the dream job. So if you are just hoping to get four or five offers, that's going to give you a very different kind of air in those interviews than, yeah, yeah. I need this job. Okay, chapter nine. This is the chapter that you did not like when I read it in part one. I'm already hating this, it again. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to tell you why you love it. it this is called choosing happiness. <laughs> I loved this chapter so much because... It was like they were speaking directly to me. So here's the thing. (laughs) I feel like they're speaking directly to me. (laughs) Well, let me tell you. I don't know if you know this, but I have huge buyer's remorse. Like if I want to buy new socks, I will read like 10 different reviews on the best socks and compare them all. Then I'll finally make the purchase. I'll get the socks that I so carefully chose and I'll wonder for months if I chose the right socks. And these are socks. <laughs> these are this just is your socks. strategy brain gone awry. It is. And listen, this is where we say thank you, brain. This kind of frenzied thinking helped get us through helped us survive at some point in our lives mm-hmm. and it, we can mm-hmm. set it down mm-hmm. and we say, thank you, brain, and take a nap. So imagine that you get to this point in the life design process. You've brainstormed the heck out of your life design options. You've narrowed it down to just a few you're excited about. Maybe you even have some offers on the table and now it's time to choose. So what the hell does someone like me do with this? Here's what they say. <laughs> 
(laughs) Dysfunctional belief. To be happy, I need to make the right choice. Reframe. There is no right choice. There's only good choosing. So they say it's impossible to make the best choice, quote unquote, because you can't know what the best choice is until you see all the consequences play out. And that's not something that's going to happen. We're never going to see the three Mm -hmm. different jobs we were offered and how that will work out. Mm -hmm. So this is why adopting a healthy choosing process is a critical step in your life design because all of your hard work can be undone if you think wrongly about the choosing process or if you make this amazing choice and then you're like, I don't know if I did it right. I don't know if I did it right. It's going to suck all of the Oh, so choose happiness versus choose what you think will make you most happy. I actually think the chapter title is a misnomer. Like they're they're basically saying like, choose to be happy with your choice. Uh, like once you choose- I mean, that is a discipline. Let that is go tough. of the other options. That is tough. It is. It is so hard. But that's why I was like, they literally write like the four steps to like career finding, like explore your options, brains from new careers, interview, agonize over the price or, or over the choice. And then they strike it out and they're yeah. like, let go of the other options. Yeah. But they do offer strategies for doing this in okay. this chapter. So definitely read that if you're me. But they say, they say all of your hard work can be undone if you think wrongly about the choosing process. Keep in mind that making the wrong choice is not actually a big risk. And it's usually one that you can recover from because think about it, you can just keep building your way forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've already done that work. And just know that in another Don't, universe somewhere else, you've made another choice. There you go. Also, this is all Don't, a simulation. It's not really happening. <laughs> you've said that a few times, and I don't know if you really believe it or not. We'll talk offline. Yeah. So don't, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so don't aim to make the right choice every single time, but rather a better choice that is informed through your self-reflection. And something I really appreciated about this is that they talked about listening to your body and your gut response mm-hmm. and not just choosing with your mind. Like really, what are your senses telling you? And once you've chosen, let the other options go. And this chapter includes stories of people's struggles to choose, different tactics to help you decide, and what happens when you do feel like you've made the wrong choice afterwards. Great. We are almost there, my friends. Failure immunity. Something they said that I loved so much, this is chapter 10, is that failure is the raw material of success. They said that good designers fail often and fail quickly because it gives you a lot of information. What? Something I know about my Misty, and every longtime loyal listener does too, is that anything that tells you (laughs) that failure is part of a success makes you so happy. Oh, does it? Is that a pattern? Oh, yes. You love it. Oh, yeah. You do. You love it. I do love it because... Let me tell you something. I've never failed, not once in my life, but I hear it can be really helpful. <laughs> that shouldn't have gotten that big of a laugh, everyone. Okay, keep going. Okay. You're laughing so hard, it's hurting my feelings. So here we go. No, no, I was not prepared for your delivery. And it was just so so funny. I was so glad. But I can see how that would, I can see how that would. I'm like, I've never failed before. At least the laughs for 30 seconds straight. (laughs) Come on. 
<laughs> now I'm laughing about you. Okay, go, 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 go. I'm sorry. Okay, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. But I uh, love that they, they think, that they made you feel yeah. very happy about Listen, that. Listen, I think my new life path is going to be I'm just going to try to fail at everything that I do. And I would see love how that, that goes. for you. Thank you. They said that good, I can't help it if I, can't not do it if I try. They said that good designers fail often and fail quickly because it gives you a lot of information and a much better chance of finding a solution that works. Mm-hmm. So as you design your life, you will benefit from developing an immunity to failure and iocane. You can begin this process by cultivating a bias for action. <laughs> that was such a deep cut, a deep princess bride cut. If you didn't know it, it's not going to mean anything to you. And if you heard it and you loved it, congrats. If you didn't hear it, rewind and listen to it again and just know that the brilliance of Misty is just, I love her so much. Just really on fire today. I went out in the sunshine today and I had a smoothie with peanut butter in it. And I think think that's that's why I'm on fire. Okay. From now on. Thank you. You can begin this process of developing failure immunity by cultivating a bias for action, failing fast, and learning as much as you can from each failure. In that sense, you learn quickly, iterate, and don't waste too much time. So to build failure immunity, you can literally log your failures Mm -hmm. once or twice. I can't, I think they said a month to get the insight from them. And the author suggests that you do things that are just screw-ups, categorize things by uh, screw-up, weakness, or growth opportunities, basically. Mm. So I am perpetually three to 10 minutes late to everything I go to. That is a weakness. That is something that I just really need to work on. A screw-up is, for example, the author talks about how he put his daughter's birthday in his calendar wrong and missed it by an entire week. He was a week late acknowledging his daughter's birthday. And he was like, that was just a screw up. But you can look back and go, how did this happen? How can I prevent it from happening again? What can I learn from it, right? Mm -hmm. Or if I go like, oh shit, my weakness is I'm 10 minutes late, then maybe I need to schedule more time between appointments, you know? I don't know. What if you have no weaknesses? Oh, I don't. No, okay, no, no. Yeah, Again, okay. like, but they sound like they add character. Well, here's so the that's thing. I'm thinking say, about getting some. And this will probably make you feel horrified. A lot of acting classes here in LA, you're terrified of rejection as an actor, right? So one mm. of the things that they have you do, like for for a week, every day, you have to ask a person you don't know, you have to ask a stranger for money. You have to ask them for $20. And <gasps> Missy's face is amazing. And like the first day you hate it. The second day you hate it. By the third day, you're like, I just have to get it over with. Because you know that they're not going to give you. If you're like, hi, can you give me $20? And usually they're like, no. And then, but by the third day, you don't care about the rejection. It's not about the rejection. Yeah. And how they react to you is about them and not you. Yeah. And so you, you just love asking people for $20. You and kind that's of start to like, so because you, you start to play the game of how are they going to react? Based on like where I am and who they are and what I'm wearing and all this different stuff. And so yes, it becomes that, a game. That is a lot more empowering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be like, what do I think of them reacting versus, oh my gosh, what do they think of me? Yes. Yeah. And even if no, they give you the money, you give it right back. And if they say, why do you need it? You say, it's an exercise for a class. I'm working on building up my tolerance to rejection. You know? Yeah. 
And what I'm going to do is I'm going to invest this money. <laughs> give me your contact information. I'll reach out in 20 years. We'll do a 70-30 split. And hopefully I'll give you a lot more 20s back. Thank You'll you. never get any money. Anyway, keep going. Chapter 11, The Lost Chapter, Building a Team. And mm-hmm. by the way, there, there are teams present throughout all of this. He recommends bringing in people that you trust to help brainstorm, like help you identify mm-hmm. your gifts and what mm-hmm. lights you up. Because we can't always see that. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I need, like you just said, you always light up when someone talks about failure is a good thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like, yeah, duh. So this chapter highlights the importance of mentors and friends that you can reach out for help and reflection. Rarely do we ever overcome obstacles alone. Thus, reach out to people you trust to guide you along the way. And remember that every single person you speak to about your life design on this journey, including those short prototyping conversations, is part of your life design team. Mm. They, they say continually, true brilliance and genius is not achieved alone. It just isn't true innovation. Yeah. You know, like occasionally there's like a Mozart, you know, around, but mm-hmm. it's super rare. Everything else is all team thinking. Mm. So to conclude, a well-designed life, keep in mind that they believe that you will have multiple iterations of your best job rather than one. So you will probably repeat these activities and this process throughout your life. And as a matter of fact, they recommend you going back and reviewing your worldview or your life view and your work view once a year just to see like, has anything changed for me? Because values aren't set in stone. I definitely have a different set of values than I had 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so just remember that the plan you generate here is not the quote unquote right choice or the holy grail. It's just right for you right now. And the author's analogize. How do you say this word? Analogize? Analogize. What is happening to my mouth? Analogize. It's analogous, but we analogize. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like I've never seen that in print and I panicked. Okay, this type of thing. <laughs> Burnett and Evans analogize this there type of thinking to yeah. viewing, nailed it, to viewing life as paint by numbers. However, they say they view real life more like an abstract painting. It's open to multiple interpretations. Finger painting by toddlers. Just like the pronunciation of analogize. Thank you. Jize. Jize. Thus, keep in mind through the activities that there are multiple great lives and you can pick the one to build on at the moment with their activities. So I'm going to end with you, yes, with a dysfunctional belief. (laughs) Lisa's face. Do you see what I mean about my battery? Like I've got all this energy for like a second and then it just, at the end of an hour, it's like go to bed. we all relate. We all relate. (laughs) Dysfunctional belief. I finished designing my life. The hard work is done and everything will be great. Reframe. You never finished designing your life. Life is a joyous and never-ending design project of building your way forward. So that is Uh, Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And the author's website is in show notes, and they have a new book out called Designing Your Work Life. Oh, boo. I love it. Misty, great job. Great job. I have a few questions, (laughs) as you know. I Uh, bet this was coming. Do. Did this book need to be written? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it did. I mean, I guess from where I'm sitting, yes, I'd never heard. I think a lot of people talk about like, oh, create a life you love, but it's this like nebulous topic where they just mm-hmm. say follow your passion. Like, yeah, I have not come across like a studied, you know, activity based. Yeah, wait. I mean, do something that. that I really like about this book is, as apart from like, say, a Jensen Chero, you are a badass, which is just like each chapter is try this thing, try this thing, try this thing, and then mm-hmm. through all of those, you're supposed to somehow develop into a badass. Is that yeah. here? They're using a, a specific methodology that they've converted mm-hmm. to instead of mm-hmm. one specific thing towards you know a more generic and wide option of like a life path, a, a work yes. path. It's complementary, right? Like each step kind of is cumulative. You need to have finished this before you can do this, before you can do this. Yeah. So it's not just like I need to buy an Audi and do a vision board, right? But I need to have a mm-hmm. compass and then apply that towards three different. I start to say Ulysses. That's not it. Odyssey. Odyssey. Plans. Odysseys. But you know why <laughs> I said it. Because that's. I do. Brought to you by. Pandemic. Okay. Um, I uh, <laughs> Wonderful. What did you try to put into practice from this book and how did it affect you? Okay. Are you ready for this? I mean, yes. I'm literally going to try the whole book. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yes, Lit- Like, literally. And this is something I'm thinking of tracking on the Patreon. Yes. So if you want to watch me, like, hardcore be on the struggle bus, please do. Because I... <laughs> I've been deeply attached to one idea of what my happiest life would look like. Yeah. But I don't enjoy a lot of what I'm doing at the yeah. moment. And, but the identity shift is really hard and the it's really paralyzing to be like, as any of you who listened to my conversation with Tracy Padell, the career coach who came on a few weeks ago, like trying to start a new career path or even imagine yourself a new one can be totally paralyzing yeah. and emotional and identity rocking. And this is not for the faint of heart. So I already like filled out my, my gauges for, I think I did the exercises up until worldview, life view. Mm-hmm. And then I was just so panicked about reading books for the podcast and keeping up with our aggressive publishing schedule that I was like, oh God, I can't design my life because I'm stuck in this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I, I will say the other thing that I really liked about it, Lisa, uh, tagging onto what you were saying a second ago, it also feels like in You Are a Badass and Books Like It, Jen Sincero kind of thrusts a value set upon us. Mm-hmm. She's like, be in a relationship, be rich, be sexy, mm-hmm. right? Like be thin, be rich, be in a relationship. And this book is really like, hey, just notice patterns. Like what, let's help you identify your own specific value set mm-hmm. and live into that. Yeah. And it's funny, maybe now that I'm, now that we're comparing the two books, one, like this one just feels so much more inviting mm-hmm. to the individual Rather mindset. than like, not com- not commanding, but there's dictation versus invitation. Oh, look at that. Is that? Is that the name of our next self? Well, it's like a should versus could, right? You should do this. You should do this. Here's what you could do. Language matters. Yeah, it does. Uh, Well, let me just ask. So, of the of the things you've done thus far, how how does it Mm -hmm. sit on you? How does it affect you? 
it's really just interesting to take stock and see like a visual. I was like, oh my God, my play tank is really empty and my love tank is half full. And I really am really grateful for all the people in my life. And I still feel lonely. Mm -hmm. So I need to look at that, you know, and of course it's like, it's a pandemic, but just going like, oh, that's really interesting to realize that, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? And see it. And so then I'm going like, okay, what's the problem that I want to solve here? If I've got all these people, but I still feel lonely, let me think about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the authors missed anything? So not for what the book is or for what it promises to be, but I, I definitely think that there can be a deeper spiritual element to finding your life's work. And of course, like what we're interested in work-wise can and likely will shift multiple times in our lives, mm-hmm. especially, you know, in the society we live in now where we don't work at the same company for 40 years and then retire. Yeah, That's not something that happens. And um, so I do think there, there can be a much deeper spiritual element to this, but that's not what this book promised to be. Okay. So I think it's okay. And for what it's worth, I really, really appreciated them changing pronouns throughout the book. Mm. So whenever they gave examples, they'd be like, yeah, so if you're if you're a therapist, like take, for example, this person who might be a therapist, what does he think? And then this woman who's a doctor, but she's unhappy in her life. And I was like, thank you for doing this. Like this was written five years ago, mm-hmm. but they've got caveats. They're intersectional. They do pronouns. You know what I mean? Like they, it, again, like it's not that hard. These are yeah. all the things we've been saying. I hope in their next hard. book they throw in a they as well to have some I non-binary. Do yeah. yeah, I do too. I think back in 2016, pronouns were not at the front of the conversation. That's right. Yet, so who you would know. you buy this book for, and who would you never buy it for? I would buy this book for anyone who is discontent in their work but has absolutely no idea what to do next or even how to do, start exploring that. So me. It would also be great for anyone who is just starting undergrad or anyone who's starting their kind of adult working life right after college or anybody who sort of fell into a job mm-hmm. or a career right out of college and just never stopped to think, is this what I want to do? So really for anybody who's searching. But I do feel like if I, the students at Stanford who took this class are so lucky Mm-hmm. because I feel like they just got to try and fail and really think about it and approach the workforce with such a different mindset. It is, It could be harder for people to have to have an identity shift that goes along with changing work as opposed yeah. to kind of finding your work along with finding your identity. Yeah, yeah. What homework do you have for any listeners who would like to partake and for me, which we will look at on the deep dive? Yeah, I, I'm not going to assign you homework, Lisa. Not at this point in your life. No, nope, oh, I'm not doing it. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're welcome. I might, I might like to think about the life and the work view or life, uh, life view and work life view. Life view, work view. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that I, I mean, I'd be really interested to hear what that's like for you. And by the way, they really recommend people going through this process together. Like if you Mm -hmm. can find somebody who's also doing the process at the same time, it can be great. I don't know anybody going through the process. 
editor, can you insert crickets here? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think I'm just going to keep, as far as homework goes, I'm just going to keep checking in mm-hmm. about what what's going on through each of the exercises. So all of our patrons and future patrons just stay abreast of that because all I'm sure right. lots of uh, snickety snackety stuff will come up. Misty, great job. Great job as always. Thank you so Thank much for you. sharing and doing such amazing, like getting detail without, I mean, obviously you can't summarize the book, but I know that if I were to read this book, there would still be so much that I There's I so could, much could I left out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's been a hot minute since we had a two-parter. So but this book really felt deserving of it. It's a the, talking about designing your life. Like this is not like clean out your closet, like light a candle for Hyuga. Although I love Hyuga, don't get me wrong. This is like design your whole freaking life. I love it. Misty, so. I love you. I love you. And with that, may your life design be abundant. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.